There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, brought to you by Onyx. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Today on the show, we've got Lake Pickle, talking southern turkey hunting. And Lake is a Mississippi native. He's a member of the Primos video team. You might have seen them on their TV show, on their web series, on their YouTube videos. He's also the host of their Speak the Language podcast over there at Primos 2. He's a serious turkey hunter, and he's mentored under some of the very best turkey hunters in the country. Folks such as the one and only Will Primos. So he's got a tremendous amount of experience to share. And today we're going to go rapid fire with him to discuss, you know, things like what's unique about turkey hunting in the South. How to find and call and decoy highly pressured turkeys, something that's applicable in many parts of the country. We talk through tips for getting quiet birds to gobble, what to do if you spook a gobbler, uh, how to break a hung up bird, and a whole lot more. Uh, It was a fun talk. We go, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes, just jam-packed with turkey tips and knowledge. So if you are excited to get out turkey hunting, you got to listen to this one ASAP because it will help. No doubt about it. So that's the plan. Before we get into it, though, I just want to give you one more heads up. If you've been enjoying these bonus turkey hunting episodes, I'd like to encourage you to head over to our website. That's TheMeatEater.com and check out the dozens of new turkey hunting articles that we've been publishing over there. I've been working hard writing new things. Spencer's been writing new things. Tony Peterson's been writing new articles. All sorts of people on the team and other folks out there are sharing their turkey hunting insights with really great articles. We're going to see topics such as, oh gosh, um, how to how to hunt roosted toms, how to stalk turkeys, how to uh, deal with turkeys that, that aren't talking, how to make your decoys more realistic, a whole slew of different things, dozens and dozens of new articles. If you want to learn more after listening to this, that's how to do it. Head on over to TheMeatEater.com. There's also a lot of great turkey recipes because I'm counting on all of you filling those turkey tags, so you're going to need to eat them too. We can help you on that front as well. So that's all from me. Without further ado, let's get to some turkey talk with Lake Pickle. All right, with me on the line now is Lake Pickle. Lake, thanks for doing this. How are you? 
man, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor. Hey, I, uh, I'm stoked that we can chat turkeys right now because a lot of people are stuck inside or stuck at home and not able to go do some fun things. But, but turkey hunting is one of those options that most of us have to go out and enjoy ourselves right now. So this is a, this is a great thing to be talking about. Absolutely. It's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, regardless of the time of year or what's going on. But yeah, with everything going on right now and lots of folks being stuck inside, it's it's a, people are more appreciative of, of turkey hunting than normal, I feel like, which is the way it should be. Oh, yeah. I was just uh, driving home from the grocery store a little bit ago. And in my head, I was kind of complaining to myself that I... I can't go hunt anywhere else. I'm kind of got to stay here in Michigan and we only get one tag. So I basically, you know, could end my turkey season in one day. And I was sitting there thinking Mm -hmm. how disappointing that is. And and usually in a lot of other years, I would go and kind of guide for a bunch of friends, take them out, call for them, you know, just do that with as many buddies as you can to kind of lengthen your season. But now maybe we shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. So it's it's (sighs) such a strange time, man. Yeah, it is. It is. So I, I started thinking, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to set a goal of getting, quote unquote, getting five turkeys for myself in Michigan this year. And when I say getting, I'm not actually going to illegally shoot more birds than I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get five gobblers within 40 yards and, and you know, take a picture or something. And that'll be yeah. like that fun thing is try to call one into range and know I could have got it. And uh, so I'm just going to hunt without needing to pull the trigger I'll get my one bird and then I'm just going to keep on getting after it just to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, like you said, in the, in the circumstances that everyone is kind of set with right now, I get where you're coming from. There's, you still got to find some way to enjoy the spring and exactly. prolong it as much as you can. I understand. Exactly. So I'm particularly excited to kind of pick your brain because you are doing a ton of turkey hunting down in the part of the country that I just don't get to enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I've seen you've killed turkeys already this year in Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. Is that right? Correct. Yes, sir. That is correct. And, and what are, are you hunting any other states this year or is that the extent of it? it it's kind of up in the air. Uh, we would like to, but it's just, you know, it, usually with what we do with, with primos, we, we chase spring all over, you know, but um, we've already lost some trips because of the Corona thing. Like we touched on earlier, uh, and that's I, honestly, I've hunted, I've got to hunt more in my home state of Mississippi this year than I have in years, just because we're usually traveling so much. So we may get to make a few more trips later in later on in, in May if some of this stuff changes. Um, but as of right now, we're just kind of hunting around the house. It's the safe thing to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How many tags do you guys get there? Three a piece. Oh, nice. Three bird limit. Yeah. At least you've got some, uh, some opportunities. So, so we talked on instagram i think or i asked mm-hmm. you on instagram a little bit about what makes southern turkey hunting unique and i think that's probably a good place to start with this conversation too can you expand on some of the things that you think make it different down there than maybe what i'm experiencing in michigan or what folks out in iowa or nebraska maybe have got going on sure uh i think uh, one of the, the biggest thing that that comes to my mind when you say what makes southern turkey hunting unique is i feel like there's a bigger concentration of turkey hunters in the southeast region than there are anywhere else so you're dealing with so much 
more hunting pressure. And that has, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not, I mean, I kind of wish that it didn't sometimes, but the, uh, you know, turkeys respond very much to hunting pressure. You know, they get called at a lot. They get walked under limbs and flushed off limbs a lot. They get walked into a lot when they're gobbling and person tries to get too close and they get flushed. And so you, a lot of times, especially if you're hunting on public land, you're dealing with birds that have been scared either by hunters or by predators because predation is also an issue we deal with a lot down here um i just i feel like overall you're, you're dealing with turkeys that are a lot more wary i guess or, or try to be try to stay on their toes a lot more just because they're so scared of everything uh so that that's probably like the biggest difference i would say if i had to pick just one i'd say there's several but the biggest one is just dealing with hunting pressure yeah so how do you account for that like uh, i know one of the things you mentioned when we were talking earlier is is focusing on a time frame different than when most guys come out there maybe if you can expand on that and and then anything else you do differently to just deal with these real timid birds sure um so the best example that i have of that is uh, I went to college when I was in college. Uh, there was a there was a big public piece of public ground that you could get to from the town that I went to college at in, at at Mississippi State. You could drive there from from my apartment that I was living in and be there listening to turkeys in 20 minutes. Um, and so, as you could imagine, every other student that turkey hunted also hunted that same piece of public ground. And so it was hammered with with pressure and you know, you had a lot of times you have, you better have five or six different spots that you could possibly go in and hunt that you had scouted because there's a chance that if you try to, if you only have one, you'd go there and there'd be someone, be someone there already. And, uh, I learned over, you know, a lot, we, I'm, I'm not the quickest learner in the world is a lot of trial and error, <laughs> but I, I, I learned that a lot of those guys, whether they just were doing it because they didn't know any better or they had class, a lot of those guys would get there you know, do the daybreak roost goblin thing and they would hunt till eight thirty, nine o'clock and then they'd call it quits. And so you'd drive around that that same piece of public ground that looked like, you know, the Talladega raceway in the morning times, but you get there from ten AM on, you know, it oftentimes it'd be a ghost town. And so the first turkey that I ever killed out there, I got out there probably around ten thirty. I just went to a spot that I'd scouted before the season and I'd hunted some in the mornings and, and I knew the turkeys liked to be there. There were turkeys in that area. And I sat down and uh, just was calling, you know, every five, 10 minutes. And I think I'd probably been there about 30, 40 minutes. And one time I yelped and cut and a turkey answered me. And probably 20 minutes later, that turkey was dead. I mean, it was just that quick. And I, I think those turkeys get Honestly, I think they get imprinted or, or whatever you want to call it. They, they start to figure out that, hey, from before daylight till nine, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of booger bears out here chasing me, you know, but until yeah. then they're gone. You know, <laughs> I, I realize booger bear is probably a funny term. Excuse my <laughs> redneck, te, you know, I redneck like terminology. But but I think they, you know, you would see turkeys acting a lot more like you want turkeys to act and when i say that you know goblin strutting the whole nine yards but they 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 were a lot more laid back and not just on pins and needles when you hunt in those time frames when there's not as many people there 
Um, and that's, that's the best example that I can give of that. That's interesting. Do you, do you do anything differently once you're out there though? So when you did that calling sequence and brought that bird in Mm -hmm. or or other times when you're hunting pressure birds like that, do you call any differently knowing that these turkeys have been boogered by a bunch of other people? Do you decoy differently when you know they've seen a bunch of other deeks, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good question. Um, what you will learn or especially if you're out on public a lot, I, I don't know what it is, but there's so many guys they get, I, I call it like a, I don't know if you call it a rut or like a calling rut or that they sound like a broken CD. Sometimes <laughs> they'll just throw the same five to eight Yelp sequence over and over and over, you know, just y'all, 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 you know, and it's, yep. it's just, there's no, there's no changes. There's no difference in inflection or maybe they, they cluck twice and then yelp, but whatever it is, they yelp that it's the same thing just over and over and over. And, um, we've heard this a thousand times. I'm not the first person to say it, but if you listen to a hen turkey, a real hen turkey, they don't do that. You know, they, they're very, they have a lot of variation in what they do. And so I started, you know, at first, the first thing I did to try to change that up is I was like, all right, I'm going to yelp only an odd number of times. Like instead of going four times, you know, yelp, 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 one, two, three, four, I'd yelp three. You know, I was just trying to make myself do something different. Um, and I I think it made a, I honestly, I think it makes a difference. Just, I think it adds more realism, uh, to what you're doing. Uh, decoying, if you're hunting somewhere like that place I hunted at, at where I was going to school, oftentimes if I'm hunting in timber, uh, I won't even use a decoy. Um, and if I'm open woods with a lot of timber, and if I'm in open woods where the turkey can see a long way, I'll put a decoy out just because I wouldn't want them to get to 180 yards and say, I don't see a turkey. I'm going to turn around. This isn't right. But if I'm hunting in somewhere that's kind of thicker timbered, maybe some younger stage timber, uh, often I won't use a decoy just because, again, like on that public ground, everyone has decoys thrown out. And I personally feel like they, they walk up sometimes and they go, I've seen that before. And they turn around and they leave. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Do you, you talked about trying to add some variation to your calling and that's such mm-hmm. a good point. I realize I'm probably guilty of that a lot. I've kind of have that track in my mind. Like, okay, this is the sequence you do. This is how many times mm-hmm. you do it. I like your idea of just simply doing something as simple as changing the number, but I got to believe with with all the experience you have and then the guys that you're hanging out with at Primos, there's got to be <laughs> some interesting, unique ways of calling. Are there any other things you've picked up over the years uh, as far as ways to just add variation to your calling sequences or certain little runs or certain... I don't know if you got tricks in the back pocket that you pull out when things get tough, anything that comes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The first one that comes to my mind and it's not like a, this may not be like the most black and white instructional. This is a trick, but it's something I heard Wilbur say all the time. And the first time I heard him say it, I was like, I'm not a hundred percent sure what you're saying there, but over time and just why and hunting with him, I kind of figured it out. He always, he always says, I'm painting a picture, you know, I'm painting, I'm painting a picture. He's trying to, build a scenario for that turkey you know he's trying to make him you know and, and it may you when you first time you hear it you're like well that's obvious that's you know you're trying to make him think there's a hen over there but you know it it will takes that to another level of detail you know he's just not going there's a hen over there he's taking it to there's a hen over here and right now she's clucking and purring and feeding around on the ground and now she's assembly helping because she wants you to come over here now she's cutting at you because she's excited 
Um, as far as just calling variation, again, the best thing that I, that I guess that you don't hear a lot of people do, and I think personally adds a ton of realism is just adding clucks or cuts into your yelps. You know, a lot of people will yelp and then they'll cut. They won't yelp, yelp, cut, cut, yelp, yelp. And you hear real hens, or at least down here, I hear hens do that a lot. You know, not just cutting crazy like you like you hear on a competition stage, but just a yelp, 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 cut, 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 yelp, 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 that kind of thing. Hmm. Um adds a lot of realism i feel like and i hear i hear will do that a lot i hear brad do that a lot uh troy is probably one of the best i've heard of doing that on a mouth call and and sounding super realistic but yeah those are some things and like you said from i've been pretty spoiled as far as the the caliber of turkey hunters i've been able to hang out with because i've I've been able to learn a a whole whole lot as you could imagine yeah you can't i don't think you can find any better mentors than that (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> so so let's keep talking calling. Um, mm-hmm. At the beginning of the day, one of the first things people are looking at is trying to, they, they hopefully had a roosted bird, they get in there, they're set up, there's always this temptation to 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 call it birds on the limb. What mm-hmm. What's your take on how or if you call to birds when they're still roosted? Uh, I will do it uh, depending on, on the setup. Um, and then quite frankly, like, cause I can give you a really good example of that because like I was, I was telling you, um, or I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I was hunting this morning. I was filming, uh, Jordan who, who oh, I, nice. we worked together at Primo's and he actually shot a turkey this morning. Hey, all and, right. Uh, we, we got on him on the limb and what we did is basically, I mean, we, we were able to get, get in fairly tight to that turkey while he was still roosted. We probably got a hundred yards, maybe anywhere from a hundred to 120 yards while he was still in the tree. And we were able to do that because at this point in our season, uh, the, the woods, you know, the, the spring foliage is pretty much all the way out there. So you've got tons of cover. Whereas like early season, you know, when we opened like March 15th, if you were to try to sneak up on a Turkey that close to the limb, good chance he's going to spot you. But now with all the foliage on the trees, we were able to get pretty tight. But, um, what we do oftentimes we're set up like that. We will call to him. We'll do, everyone knows the term, a tree yelp, you know, just a real soft, Hey, I'm over here. Yep. Kind of, kind of a call, just a barely even audible sometimes just, row, 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 row. Uh, and that's usually it. I mean, just, we don't just keep hammering at them because uh, the only other call we will do is like a fly down cackle, we, you know, get the wing and fly down and as like a hens do when they fly down. Uh, but then you don't, I, I personally know will not just keep yelping at them. I mean, it, no one likes to hear a turkey gobble more than I do, but, uh, and it's, it's very tempting, It is tempting. but it's, oh, it's, it's, I've, I'm so guilty of it. I've done it when I was, uh, just started turkey hunting. There's yeah. no telling how many turkeys that I possibly could have killed that I weren't just because I was just sitting there list, making them gobble while they were still on the tree limb. But you know, like the, for instance, this turkey, the one Jordan ended up shooting, we that's li- literally all we did. He got tree upped at, and he got fly down cackled, and that is it. And that turkey stayed on the limb probably 30 to 40 minutes later than you would expect the turkey to, huh. just because that's, that's how they work in nature. You know, they, they hear the hen, they gobble, and he was waiting for that hen to come walking under his tree or walking close to it, and then he pitched down to her. That's, that's how he was expecting his morning to go. Uh, but we were able to wait him out and he pitched down, he gobbled, and he still took his sweet time getting to us. But I think 
continuing to call him, call at him on the limb like that makes that turkey just even more go, all right, I'm just, you know, you're over here. I'm supposed to gobble. You're going to walk, you're, you, the hen is going to walk up under this tree and that's that. Um, so yeah, I, as far as calling to him on the limb, I keep it at a minimum, just, yeah. just the essentials. Now, what about this scenario? I, I was listening to an episode of your podcast a while back and you described a morning hunt. You went out, I think it was in Mississippi and mm-hmm. you were sneaking in on a spot where you thought there might be a bird roosted and you let off an owl hoot and <laughs> the bird gobbled like 40 or 50 yards away. Like you were right underneath him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. What you, Why you got to go bring it up as negativity? <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. To, sorry to throw it under the bus here. But um, what, what do you do in that scenario when you realize, Oh crap, I spooked a bird on the roost. Um, yeah. and, and maybe you're in a limited spot. I, I know a lot of people, if they've got a bunch of land they're on public, maybe they'll just go somewhere else, obviously. But what if you've yeah. got, you know, you're stuck on 40, you're stuck on 80 and you know that you spooked that bird. Maybe he's the only one. What do you do? How do you approach it yeah. for the rest of the day? So, um, that, that is an excellent question. Um, so if, if I'm, if that's like, if it's a 40 acre piece, which I have hunted on before. Uh, I, that used to be all I had access to on private land, actually. But um, if it, if it's a small piece and I know of one goblin turkey and I just bumped him off the limb, I'm probably at, at least going to at least leave him alone that morning. I may come back that afternoon if I'm just wanting to hunt, but I'm not going to keep chasing her. I'm, I'm not going to sit down right there and start yelping because, again, down here in the south at least they're getting hammered so much i mean i hate to even spook them at all and which i did i spooked that one really bad <laughs> but um we ended up like we just bailed like which and that that wasn't a 40 acre piece we ended up going to the other side of the property and fooled around there but as far as those turkeys there we're like we're leaving these alone we've done more than more than enough damage than i wanted to do today so they're they're gone so if i i I spook them that day. I leave them be. And so they ended up being the right decision because they, they can't, you know, they came right back. He was right back in there. Um, but it, it, just another, like I, I have the best, the best advice I can give are based off of screw ups I've made. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some of the worst like screw ups I've done on turkey hunts or turkey hunts that I've blown have been based on, like like that turkey in particular, I had no reason to believe that the turkey was roosted where I was headed to find it. I'd, I, I'd heard him gobble in there when I was scouting, but that wasn't on the limb. He was already on the ground. And I'd heard a turkey roost there in the past where I thought he was. And so I just went with, he's going to be right there. And, and Jordan even said to me when we were walking in, he was like, there's a chance he's roosted on the edge of this cutover. I was like, no, man, no, nah, he might be, but he's, I bet he's on that ridge. And he was not. <laughs> So you know, when you go making assumptions like that and getting impulsive, that's when you make mistakes and, you know, look really dumb like I did and blow a turkey off the limb. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what are what are some of the other mistakes that you've either done yourself or seen from your buddies or folks you're hunting with that have helped you learn something, you know, that kind of illuminated some aha moment? Any others that stand out to you this year, past years that might be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, like I said, I can pull a lot from, from this year. Um, so, uh, it was at, yesterday afternoon, we, uh, Jordan and myself, we, I filmed Jimmy, Jimmy Primo shoot one at a place that we had permission to hunt on uh, in the North part of the state. And 
that turkey, um, we, we knew there was turkeys in the area. We had not heard any gobbling hardly at all. We'd been hunting there for three days solid, had, had heard hardly any gobbles except for on the roost, but we knew they were there. And so the plan was we were just going to set up on the edge of this field and, uh, you can call every once in a while. And so we ended up striking a turkey at probably about three thirty in the afternoon. And this turkey was, once he struck it, he was, he was as, you know, as hot as you could want a turkey to be. I mean, you could have yelped to him probably a hundred times and he would have gobbled. But Jordan, and this is as far as calling, it, it's so easy to overcall in those situations. Yeah. Um, Jordan, I think, yelped. Well, the first time we heard him, he was maybe 300 yards away. And I think Jordan called a total of three times. He, the first time he struck him, he yelped and cut and the turkey gobbled. He waited a few minutes. He yelped again. Turkey gobbled. He was closer. Uh, and then he said, all right, I'm waiting. And he, he literally, he pulled out his phone. It was like four, no, no, no. Cause it was four, it was four twenty one PM. And he said, if he hasn't gobbled again by four 30, I'll call again. I think it was like four twenty seven. The Turkey gobbles again on his own and he's 150 yards closer. And we're like, okay, he's coming. So in contrast, I've seen several hunts like that. The Turkey starts gobbling and the hunter just starts pouring it to him. Just yow, And the Turkey's gobbling, he's gobbling, he's gobbling. And it's, then you're in the same situation that you are when the turkey's on the limb and you're roosting. The turkey's off there where he's at that afternoon, and you're steady calling to him, and he's going, okay, I'll gobble. I'm right here. Where are you at? And then oftentimes, he never shows up. He just stands right there and gobbles, waiting on you to come to him. And so um, mistakes over calling can, can definitely be one of those. It's probably one of the most common ones. Uh, and then other than that is probably just getting too aggressive. Uh, we know turkeys can see very, very well and they can hear very, very well, but we let that seem to slip our mind that at convenient times and you end up trying to get too close and you bump them. That's, that's a very common one. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a million ways to mess up a turkey hunt. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why it keeps us coming back. Right. It's not, yeah. A, oh yeah. It's always a new puzzle to try to figure out each day. Yeah. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash eater and use promo code MEATEATER. That's promo code MEATEATER at urgentcarekit.com slash eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. 
Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. What about something you mentioned that Jordan did? And and maybe you already answered the question because you described how he did this. But I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you ever think about differently. It's that, that question of, okay, I realize I shouldn't call too much. But how do I then choose when I should? So he said, okay, it's. It's whatever time, 21, 821, and at 10, 830, I'll call again. So he said, okay, nine minutes. But how yeah. do you think through when the right time is to do it? Are there any, I, I'm just kind of curious about your thought process there, how you make sure that you have some kind of guidance. Yeah, it, it's, uh, man, honestly, it's just sitting down to turkeys and working turkeys, just the reput- repetition. And you, you kind of, I know this may sound kind of vague, but you kind of just get a feel for it. Um Whereas like, especially like that turkey that was struck yesterday afternoon, oftentimes if you strike a turkey like that and then he starts answering like he did and then gobbles on his own, chances are you don't have to call at him anymore, you know? And then especially, I think I heard an old timer say it one time, he said, never yelp to a turkey that's walking to you, you know, <laughs> like Collins, Collins for the sake of letting you know I'm here. And then you're hoping that you can pique his interest enough that he'll that he'll come you know because like the the common saying is true the way it's supposed to go in the natural world is he gobbles and the hen comes to him so um like if it what will cause it taking a turkey's temperature like if i have to pull a gobble out of a turkey and what i mean by that is like if i yelp and nothing you know if i soft yelp nothing if i yelp and then cluck nothing and maybe if i yelp and cut and still nothing then if i just cut really aggressively and he gobbles then he's probably not all that fired up. So I'm, you know, I'm either going to slow play him or, or it, it just depends on the Turkey. You know, if he's answering everything and he's steadily closing distance, then I'll set the call down. It, but if he's just answering every once in a while, then I'll call a few times, let him answer. Then I'll give him five, 10 minutes and then I'll call again and see where he's at. And sometimes it's just a matter of you're not in a place that he wants to be and you have to get up and move. Sometimes that moves only a hundred yards, but it's enough for him to go, Oh, that hen's over there. You know, I wanted to go there anyway, and then it works. Um, but really, it's just a matter of repetition and sitting down to turkeys, and you just kind of get a feel for what they want to do and what they want to hear and when they want to hear it. And I'm no, I'm no expert at it. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the success that I have comes from several, a lot more error than success. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the the recipe I think for any eventual success is just screwing up enough <laughs> and learning as you go. Yeah. Turkey hunting is a is a win some lose most kind of sport. Yes, that's that's the truth. So what about <laughs> what about the scenarios outlined there where you take a turkey's temperature and he's not coming in? He'll answer every mm-hmm. once in a while, but he's out there. He's hung up. 
he's making his presence known, but he just won't close the distance. You described one uh, possible option, which is to get up and move. Uh, but mm-hmm. can you can you walk me through either some more detail on that or anything else you'll do to try to break a hung up bird? Sure. Um, so several times, I, I can think of a hunt we were on, and we were just we struck this turkey, and when we, when we struck him, when we first heard him gobble, he, we were standing in a small food plot. And the food plot kind of fell off into a bottom, this big, pretty hardwoods. And uh, the turkey, the, the bottom kind of peeled off. And then there was a ridge. Um, and the ridge that was, you know, ran close to this food plot we were in, but it didn't connect to it. You know, so the turkey just wasn't going to easily, you know, walk the ridge that he was on and then pop out in the food plot. He would have to walk it a mountain ways and bail off, get into the bottom, then walk out into the food plot. And he came, you know, he walked down the ridge a certain amount of ways, but it, it became very obvious he would answer us. But he was like, I'm not leaving this ridge, you know, that's just where he wanted to be. And you'll, you'll find that, you know, especially um, if a turkey's in a spot, like it's a big, pretty spot, he might be in there just strutting and drumming and, and gobbling and doing his thing. And he's just kind of, we, a lot of times we just say he's in his happy place. You know, he's mm-hmm. not, he's just where he wants to be. That's probably where he goes to gobble and drum and attract hens. And then he goes from there. So, what my move there would be is, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give that food plot a few minutes to see if he will break and come. But after a while, I'm going to find a way to slip off into that bottom and try to get on the same ridge with him. You know, because I've found the most success that I have in calling in turkeys is if I put myself in a position where he does not mind going or if he's somewhere that he already wants to be. Yeah. The calling job gets a lot easier if, if you're somewhere that he already wants to go. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, anything, and this is, I don't know, this is pretty common <laughs> sense, I guess. But when it comes to sneaking in on turkeys, right, making mm-hmm. those moves, so many times that's when a hunt gets blown, right? It's yep. when you decide to make a move and those damn eyes they have, they pick you off. Anything the you've, <laughs> yeah, Anything you've learned about sneaking in, changing positions successfully? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, it comes from trial and error because I have spooked a pile of them <laughs> in my younger <laughs> days. Um, so, for instance, like the 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 scenario I was talking about there, the food plot, the bottom and the ridge, uh, you know, especially if it's, you know, an earlier season, which that hunt I'm talking about particularly, it was still fairly early in the season. So the woods are way open. So the easiest and the quickest way to walk is just bail off that food plot, get in the bottom and walk to that turkey. But, you know, obviously, right, if that happens, if I'm walking through a wide open bottom and he's atop of the ridge looking down, he's going to see me. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to sit there going, why did he quit gobbling? Well, he saw me, <laughs> you know. Yep. So I'll oftentimes I've found unless you're hunting somewhere that has a lot of topography, um, which this place, you know, it really didn't. I mean, like you had that ridge, but that to get to that turkey um, that you have to, oftentimes you have to take either the more difficult ways or the longer ways to get yourself in a better position. Um, like oftentimes we'll back straight out, you know, or I'm, I'm, I say not oftentimes in that situation, you back straight out, you kind of get on the same, you get where that ridge is and you get and get on the side of it. And then you just try to put as much cover between you and him and just kind of slow intentional moves, you know, uh, where you're not just walking in the wide open. I found that not even just having them see you, but walking really loud, you know, crunching leaves and sticks, 
draws as much attention because they got really good ears too. So, uh, and another another thing that that helps a lot. I've seen a lot of snakes be made when someone's moving turkey, and it's like they have locked in their mind. The last time I heard him gobbled here, and so you just think he's still right there in that exact same spot. When he, I mean, he could be close. And so a lot of times what we'll do is either we won't necessarily yelp to him. Uh, we will if we have to, but if he can, if he's fired up enough where he'll answer a crow or even a, an owl hoot, because that that's a, a lot of folks think you can only owl hoot and get them to gobble in the morning. I'll owl hoot all throughout the day and still, and still have success with it. And they're not thinking it's a turkey. They're just gobbling that owl. So if you can keep that turkey gobbling and keep a reference to him, then you can go, all right, I can get, you know, this thicket right here between me and him and I can gain another hundred yards and keep that, you know, keep that blocking me. So I know he won't see me. Yeah. That kind of just kind of taking your time. How frequently do you think you can do that uh, without some kind of risk of, I maybe there's not a risk, but how frequently will you do that owl hoot to try to check location? Is that every five minutes? Is it every hundred yards? Is it, I don't know. How do you think about those check-ins? Yeah, that, that's a good question because you definitely don't want to just be like, oh, oh, you know, I mean, uh, so every five minutes is, is probably fine. Um, and because like you can overdo it. I mean, at some point you, you'd have to think the turkey's going, why is that owl hooting so yeah. much and flying towards me? You know, but, uh, you know, it, it, and sometimes if you get lucky and he's just gobbling on his own, but those are, you know, near and far between. But, yeah, probably if you're doing it every five minutes, you're fine. Um, and I'm not talking about like getting just crazy with your owl call either. Just to, you know, a lot of times you'll hear an owl just let out a singular note, just that's usually what we go with first. Um, and if we do that, you know, if we get him to answer us twice and he's in the same spot every time, then, you know, we'll use, you, you try to, you use it, uh, I guess at your own discretion, you know, cause you, like you said, you're not trying to overdo it, but just enough that you can kind of keep him pegged and still keep moving. Yeah. So every five minutes is probably fairly safe to say. Yeah. I heard you talk to, I think it was Jordan once about how every hunter or most hunters have got that one call that when nothing mm-hmm. else is working, that'll draw out a gobble. There's something, there seems to be those, those certain box calls or certain different things that when you really got to get one, when they're not shot gobbling to the owl Whatever it is, you're gonna say, all right, I'm gonna, pull, I'm gonna pull out old trusty, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z on it, and damn it, that's gonna get us a gobble. <laughs> what, yeah. What is that for you? Or have you seen anything that commonly is okay when you really need one? Try this. Yeah. Um, so, oftentimes, when you like, you have like we, we a lot of times we call them a gobble puller. You know, that I mean that well, you hear it down here a lot. Again, redneck terminology, but then you say, man, that that calls a gobble puller. And, uh, oftentimes it's a box call and it's not, not only a box call, but it's got a, it's, it's a box call that's got a real, real sharp, high front end. And then it falls off really hard on the back end, just a real sharp, yelp, just yow. And, um, what's been doing it for us is, uh, there's a, it's called the tall timber Gabriel. And it's no surprise why that call works so well. It's like a, it's a like a Will Primo's design to the core. Like I think he he kept that call a secret for a few years and was working on it and got it the way that he liked it. Um, but that call and it sounds a lot like the the Primos had a box call uh, a couple years ago. It was called the Heartbreaker, 
And that was one of the most popular calls that, that they had at the time. It was way before I worked here. And, uh, it was kind of the, the tall timber Gabriel is kind of based off that call. Uh, but it's got like these, we'll want it to have thumb grooves. So we could cut on it easier. And oftentimes when it's worked for us this spring and springs in the past is you'll get that, that box call and you'll yelp on it really hard, probably four notes, just yop, 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 and then cut on it. So it's like, yop, 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 cut, cut, cut. and that will pull a gobble out of a turkey on in the most dire of situations. It's it's mind blowing. Like I've I've seen it in certain situations. Like it'll be up in the morning, nothing's really gobbling. You're like, all right, where do we go from here? Maybe let's try to strike one. Someone will yelp with their mouth call and nothing. Someone will yelp with their slate call and nothing. And then Jordan will pull out that tall timber. Yap, 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 cap, 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 bow. And you're like, where has that turkey been? You know, it's yeah. just, I don't know what it is. Just something about that frequency makes them gobble. Yeah, just getting a little nasty with it sometimes just gets them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the first turkey I killed this spring, we had heard him gobble. We made a move towards him. Um, I owl hooted, nothing. I mean, and again, this is up in the day. This is probably, I, don't, I know it was later than 8 a.m. I owl hooted, nothing. Waited a little bit. I got out my slate. I yelped, nothing. I cut and yelped on my slate, nothing. Jordan said, you want me to hit him with a tall timber? I said, yes. So I take the camera, point at him. He pulls out that box call, yelp, soft, nothing. Then he does the hard yelp and cut. Cut, 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 and bow, turkey gobbles. I was like, thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of speaking of uh, using Jordan's uh, box call, I've also seen you guys do some calling in tandem, working off of each yeah. other. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you're thinking about when you're doing that kind of thing? Or uh, some, something I've done in the past, I know a lot of guys do it too, is Sometimes you'll have a buddy do the walk away and call while leaving someone yeah. up front. Are there any other ways that you kind of tag team turkeys uh, in that kind of fashion? Or can you describe more detail about how you do that? The, the Probably the one of the most lethal ways that doing what you're doing. And honestly, I don't get to use this tactic very much just because when you're filming and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't work that well because you can get yourself in a situation really quick where you're like, Oh crap, everybody sit down. And when you're dealing with camera equipment, it just, you, sometimes those fast setups just don't work to your advantage. But, um, yeah, Jordan and I are, are not well, me and Jordan. Cause we hunt together a lot. We'll yelp back and forth to each other. And again, it's kind of that same situation I was talking about with Wilbur where you're trying to paint a picture. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the Turkey gets kind of excited and there's one hen, well, all of a sudden you start, cutting back and forth at each other like it's two hens kind of arguing or they're excited then that can make that turkey very excited because he's going oh goodness there's two of them over there and so i've had that work and break a turkey that was hung up several times but one of my favorite things to do when you're kind of calling in tandem um and i was able to do it this year in alabama i was down there just fun hunting we weren't filming or anything um is we will walk to the turkey and again this is in thicker woods foliage uh, had some topography. We're not just walking through wide open flat timber, you know. Um, but we were moving towards the turkey and we were calling at him as we were moving. And what to just to kind of frame that up to be more specific, kind of tell what I'm see what I'm talking about is so there was me, uh, and then there's the other guy that was calling, probably walking 20 yards ahead of me. And we're just kind of sound, we were trying to just sound like two hens walking to the woods moving to these goblin turkeys and why i think that works so well is again as that's how how that's supposed to play out in nature that you, you the turkey gobbles and the hen goes to him 
So as we're walking towards him, you know, I would cluck and yelp and then he would answer me. I mean, just tuck, tuck, yow, yow, yow. and then 20 yards ahead, he'd yelp back at me and turkeys would gobble. And then we, as we got closer, we got a little bit more excited. I would yelp harder and he would yelp harder at me. The turkeys are gobbling more. And then finally one time, um, I yelped and cut and he yelped back at me and the turkeys gobbled and they're a hundred yards away. We were like, crap, we got to sit down. We <laughs> sat down and then probably, I mean, honestly, probably less than 10 minutes later, the turkeys were dead. But that is a lethal, lethal method when it's used correctly. Because again, it's, it's, it's all about adding realism. And when that gobbler, goblin turkey is hearing these hens make his way to him, he's thinking all is right in the world, you know? Yeah. So that's, that can work very well. Yeah, I like that. I, I like this overall theme of of painting that picture and how you can yeah. do that with the calls, how you can do that with your movement. Um, and, and I think you can probably do that in a literal sense, in a sort of way, with decoys, which we haven't really talked oh, at all about. Can, yeah. you, can you tell me just a little bit about what you do to take those decoys to the next level? Like, we know the standard, put a couple decoys out and... You know, we don't need to talk about the basics, but how do you paint that most realistic picture with your decoys? Are there any little tricks that you've learned to just to ramp it up a little bit or add some realism or, or anything like that? Sure. Um, so if you're hunting in an open setting um, and, you know, a lot of times I'll use a Jake decoy a lot. Um, I'll, I'll often use a Jake decoy more than I would even a strutter. Um, and as far as like adding realism and, and getting a, you know, a, a long beard, to, a gobbler to close. If you will put like, we have that, um, um, um uh, gobstopper Jake, how am, how am I forgetting the name? So gobstopper Jake, but it's, it's just a half strut Jake decoy. Right. Um, and we take a hen and kind of put her in a, a breeder position down on the ground and put him where he's standing over her. You want to talk about a Turkey, you know, turning inside out to get over to you. <laughs> that, that works, which again, that's no, that's no big secret. Um, as far as like, uh, what we'll do is uh, I've talked, you know, about using decoys in the timber. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, one thing that I will do if I am hunting in the timber, I will say I hardly ever use a, a gobbler decoy. When I say a gobbler decoy, I mean of, of any degree, a Jake, a strutter, anything. If I'm using a decoy up in the timber, it's usually just a lone hen. And, uh, what I'll do oftentimes as far as just the standard, like put it out in front of you and hope the turkey comes up to it where it's 20 yards away is um, just a, a trick, I guess, is if you're, if you're caught up in a setup that's kind of open, you know, where you're like, I have to sit here, but I'm not so sure about it because I feel kind of exposed is you can take that decoy and still put it to where, you know, if the turkey comes to it, he's, you're, it's in a position where you can very easily shoot at it but I won't put it directly in line with myself. You know what I'm saying? So the turkey, if he's looking at the decoy from the way that I think he's going to approach, he's not, he's not able to look right over the decoy and see me sitting there. Yeah. I'll maybe, I'll maybe put it off to the left a little bit or off to the right, just to where if he comes in and he's focused on that decoy, he's also his, his line of view that he's focused on will not include, you know, the big green gorilla sitting by the tree. That's a good, that's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. Do you add any movement? I know some guys will have a fan with them. I think I've heard you mention using this in the past. They'll have a fan mm -hmm. they'll hold up every once in a while. Do you do that or, or anything like it? R yes. Uh, rarely in the woods, rarely in the woods. Um, in, in open settings. Absolutely. Uh, I've, 
again, I know there's some guys that think, you know, fanning turkeys is, you know, or is a sinful way to kill a turkey, you know, whatever. I do it. Uh, I have no problem with doing it. Uh, so yeah, we have used it in the woods before. Like, if you know, sometimes Longbeard, he'll get to 80 yards or so, and he just kind of won't close. We'll try to stick the fan up and just show it to him. We've had that work before, and we've had it. We've had it work. We've had it where they don't like it and turn around and leave, and then we've had them where they definitely see the fan and just doesn't change their demeanor at all. Um, as far as a fan working, I've seen strutter decoys and fan and turkeys work a whole lot better in an open type setting, like out in a field or a food plot or a power line. Um, but yeah, I sometimes we'll have like just the hen out and same kind of thing. He can see the hen, but he's way across the field or way down the power line or whatever. And then you show them that fan several times that can be enough to break them and make them come in. Awesome. Well, I will tell you something like you have officially gotten me very excited for tomorrow morning because <laughs> it is opening day tomorrow morning for me in Michigan. Oh, awesome. And, awesome. and like I mentioned, I'm not going to shoot one. I'm just going to go out there and try to play with one, I guess, but I'm going to get out there yeah. nonetheless and, uh, and have some fun with it. So, Thank you for doing this. Yeah, and man, look, look, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, yeah, me too. Where where can people see what you guys are up to? I know you've got videos, podcasts, everything. Where can people follow all that content? Yeah, so obviously we have we have Instagram, uh, Primos Hunting on Instagram. Uh, I have my personal page, which I'm pretty easy to find, just because you know Lake Pickle's not the most common of names. <laughs> I can thank my my thank my parents for that one, but um, and then. So we have our YouTube channel, but then uh, the the coolest thing that we have right going going on right now at Primos is we have a, a new web series. You know, for the longest time it was you know the Primos Truth DVDs, and uh, we still have the show on Outdoor Channel, but we have a uh, web series that we're updating every week uh, that can be found on Primos.com, and it's like like the the turkey that Jordan shot this morning uh, will most likely be uploaded for free for everyone to watch at Primos.com next tuesday i think but if it's not yeah so we uh, we're uploading new hunts on there every tuesday and thursday perfect it's good stuff i've, I've been checking it out and you guys are doing a great job so uh so i appreciate keep that, it man. up and good luck with the rest of turkey hunts thank you man i appreciate that thank you for letting me come on i'm, I'm a huge fan of wired to hunt you do a good job hey thank you for that let's stay in touch yeah man absolutely all right and that is a wrap thank you all for tuning in hope you enjoyed this one if you're like me, I'm fired up and ready to go. Like I just said, I'm ready to get out there and do some turkey hunting. So best of luck on your upcoming hunts. Hope you have a great time out there. Uh, be safe. Be well. Um, I'm hoping for all the best for all of you. I hope you're healthy. Hope your family is healthy and uh, that you're getting through these tough times. So until next time, we will talk to you soon and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy 
are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.